1: Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and right now I am joined by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the Karen Matthews and Craig Meehan of the Terrace get (laughs) together. That's right, it is a big lower league banter fest. It's been about, what, Sean, about two months Hmm. since you
2: and I last locked horns. Yes, I would say so. And, and incidentally, just thank you for bringing up uh, Karen Matthews. That was one of my one of my favourite and most ridiculous stories of all time. I
1: thought you were going to say it's one of your uh, underrated celebrity crushes there.
2: <laughs> Not quite. Not quite.
1: I mean, it's, uh, obviously, it's, it's, it's easy enough to, to, to laugh at it because it was just a fucking shambles. But uh, absolutely horrendous stuff for Shannon Matthews, uh, the, the the daughter who was hid uh, under a duvet bed.
2: I think am I right in saying? I think when they I think when they eventually raided the, the uncle's house, she was, she was she was under a bed, I, I believe. Just cack handed. It's one of those
1: things. that's probably like a, a decent idea in principle. When you start unraveling, it's like how on earth is this going to work? <laughs> but no, no, nevertheless, nevertheless, uh, our our thoughts are with Shannon. But Sean, I think I've got a good feeling about today. I think it's going to be a good one. This is like the equivalent of sitting in a sauna and then two middle-aged men walk in and start talking about lower league Scottish
2: football. How does that it's sound? Uh, w- it's roasting outside. But do you know something? I, am, I was kind of reading and, and watching the highlights, but the, the more I was reading, the more excited I was getting. Because I, I just love this time of the season. I love I love the fact that there's so much riding on the last couple of games of the season, and then I love the playoffs. Like, as much as I like maybe like the early rounds of the Scottish Cup, for me, this is the, the, the best moment of the season by a mile.
1: You know something, I I was watching the football at the weekend, watching the games on the Saturday, watching the scores coming, and watching the the Celtic Rangers game. Actually, thinking, fuck, this is the worst time to have stopped the view for the terrace. You think <laughs> just give us one more episode? Should have been great to have sort of like caught up and and done all that sort of stuff. Uh, but nevertheless, here we are. But just we'll just check in, Sean, before we do get going. How how's how's how the H are you? How is everything in your world?
2: I'm uh, I'm very well, can't complain at all, uh, looking forward to the, the live show in a couple of weeks, but aye, uh all good, yourself?
1: Yeah, that's good, I, I listened to the podcast that you, you and Joel, sked the sort of shoot podcast that you recorded a week yesterday, a week? Uh, a week ago today and uh, I it was like watching Uncut Gems, listening to Joel Sked talk about where on earth this live show is (laughs) happening. For the avoidance of doubt anyone that listened to that and still doesn't have a clue it's on Friday the 20th of May it's in St Luke's in Glasgow I think there's a handful of tickets left, there's not many left so please get in there while the going's good because you don't want to miss out. It's uh, backed by the same company that make a view for the Terrace Studio something and it's like Unless Nazi Germany, whenever you see SS involved, you know it's going to be a good fun.
2: I mean that's just I didn't me wrong. I'm sure if we were to, uh, I'm sure if we were to put our thinking caps on and come up with a show, we would come up with something that was pretty good. But the fact that the fact that they're on board, it's a, I'd, I'd imagine it's its going to be a, a brilliant night.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm sure they they might have things like props and celebrity guests involved. I'm trying to think. If I was going through my phone book, well, like probably Danny Denham might come along. That's probably that's his high point. I'd be okay. I'd be all right. I'd be all right. But it's like, I mean, he's not exactly it's not exactly Rod Stewart, you know? <laughs> no, but which is
2: arguably a good thing.
1: I don't know, man. Can you just imagine Rod Stewart volleying footballs out? It looks the venue's quite small, so he could quite literally take someone's head off their shoulders. <laughs> So I think if you could have your like if you could mean if you could pick your ultimate guest for a View for the Terrace Live, bear in mind the sort of limitations. So you can't pick Bruce Springsteen or anything like that. But if you were to pick your ultimate guest, who would you want it to be and why?
2: Uh, Alan McCoyst. Alan yeah. McCoyst, because he is uh, he's just a man of the people. He, he is. I just think he's a bit too unrealistic. That he'd be my
1: number one guest, but I think he's perhaps too unrealistic.
2: Aye, so 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 if that's the if that's the kind of platinum level, who's who's the level below that that we could entice to the show? I'm not too sure.
1: Um, you're probably thinking someone, Greg Taylor, Greg, Greg <laughs> Taylor. Aye, that's it. Uh, or I'm trying to think, somebody that plays for Saint Mirren, Eamon Brophy.
2: <laughs> you get Eamon Brophy to read a read a read out your name from a card again. See if he can do it better. <laughs>
1: Reading it one, just spelling it, reading out the letters instead. But nevertheless, no, no, that's say uh, I'm sure uh, Eamon Brophy can read good uh, when he's not put under pressure. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not his uh, foundation-level English teacher. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, we're done voicing our pity. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. Mm-hmm. And you know how this works by now. Sean and I will discuss one game from the Championship, another from League One and a final fixture from League Two. And as Sean mentioned earlier, the finishing line is almost in sight. There's so much to talk about for this weekend. So many games that we could have chosen, but the ones we've gone for in the Championship, we'll start with there first. This was the very definition of a six-point. This is the biggest game, perhaps, in the SPFL all weekend between Dunfermline Athletic and Air United. Now, Air could have secured the championship safety with a win. And Aaron Muirhead's first half penalty put them along the right lines. But big thanks to Aidan McAdams, because a Cole equalised in the 79th minute before big Nikolai Todorov got the winner with just four minutes remaining. As you mentioned there, it was a dark day for the
2: Air United goalkeeper. Aye. Uh, I'm actually a big fan of him. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, thought, yeah. I thought last season... He was very good. I, I thought this season he's been okay, kind of solid, but, but unspectacular. Maybe he maybe hasn't been quite the success that I expected him to be at, at the end of this season. However, on Saturday, he had he had a bit of a disaster. I, I think you, you saw it, you that first goal from, from Cole's free kick, there was a good angle from behind the goals, uh, the kind yeah, of, yeah. Uh, goal pull cam. And as much as he was blinded by the player who was standing to the left of the wall, that's still his fault. Like, like, It looked like he couldn't see the ball until it was past him.
1: It, it looked like as well, Sean, he, he he went the wrong way. Split The, the goalkeeper, angry, absolutely right, is fantastic, but he seems to change his mind last minute. It looks like
2: he's going one way then changes his mind at the other and the ball seems to go underneath him. And that's, like it's at his side of the goal. Like the wall's protecting the right-hand yes. side, therefore he's responsible for the left. And I he made an R and, and as you say, it's like he took a slight step to the right. I don't know why, because... Even for Cole's run up, it kind of looked like that's. He kind of felt that's where the ball was going, but for some reason, McAdams didn't expect it and took that took wee step to the right. I suppose that meant he couldn't couldn't get his balance back. That goal was bad. Yeah. The second one was disastrous. The second one was disastrous.
1: And if there's any, if you'd maybe give McAdams the benefit of the doubt for the first one, given the fact you might say it was unsighted. But this one, this is it's a Dunfermline counter-attack. The ball's worked to Nikolai Todorov about between 25 and 30 yards for goal. And it's very obvious. Like when I was watching the highlights back, I, thought, I didn't think that was the goal. I, I, I Because <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a speculative effort. I thought it was a bit of a pot shot from distance. I mean, it's on target. But it goes right under McAdams and, and again for that
2: GoPro angle, it looked worse in that. And he really, really should have been saving that. I I just just really bad technique. Like, doesn't he get across in time, gets his hands all wrong, dives at it in, a, in an odd manner? He just he just gets everything wrong and it it, it kind of just it wasn't it wasn't even like a, a great attempt. It was it's not as if he hit it particularly hard. He just he just got every single thing wrong about it. Uh and that has a huge burn on on how this league finishes, because Ayr, even even at 1-0, Ayrn might have took that, but the fact that they were 1-0 up, the fact that if it had finished like that, that, that would have been them safe, you would imagine. Uh, the fact that they were so much on top for about 75 minutes, uh, there was probably fewer chances than I expected. Reading about the game, before I watched the highlights, there was probably fewer clear-cut chances than, than I expected from Ayrn United. But they, looked, they certainly looked in control. Uh, Mm -hmm. Adeloy had a really good chance when they were already they won them up had a couple of other half chances but Dunfermline were creating nothing Uh, I I think a couple of substitutions changed things the the, the Dunfermline highlights are a wee bit funny in that they didn't show you how Dunfermline got the free kick it didn't show you the foul got
1: the free kick it just seemed to happen normally (laughs) normally you get to see the foul I think it was uh, who was it that gave away the foul I Kerr McEnroy what I read gave away the final uh, give away the give away the foul, but you don't see it. All of a sudden, you just see Rhys Cole standing over the ball, and boom,
2: it's in the back of the net. It just seems to like oh, because <laughs> again, I, I presume that wasn't the goal. I thought right, well, they'll show you the build up to the goal, so this this can't possibly be it. But I I mean, air. As much as I expected air to lose this one, but I expected them to lose it more convincingly, if that makes sense. But the fact that they were. Because ultimately, they haven't been playing well recently. Certainly haven't been starting games particularly well. But to see them actually control a game and then still somehow contrive to to, to kind of throw it away, I, I think Aaron are in big trouble. I, I know you can almost look at the fixtures and think they might have a slightly. They might have a. because The fact that they play Queen of South first mm-hmm. means they probably have a better chance of uh, creating a wee bit of gap going into the, the last day of the season. However, the fact that Queen of South got that win against Inverness. Suddenly, they still have something to play for this weekend, so I, I think it's very difficult for, for for Air to certainly escape ninth from here.
1: I think it's very interesting. You, you mentioned there about the, the the final run of fixtures, and and they're both playing the same teams. Both Dunfermline yeah. and Air are playing the same teams on on uh, on, on on different weekends. Uh, on on Saturday, Dunfermline done. Athletic are going to Partick Thistle before hosting Queen of the South. While uh, Air United are, are going to, are, are taking on Queens before going to Furhill themselves. And I, I read they've got an absolutely... United have got an absolutely shocking record uh, at, at Queen's. They've not won there. They've not beaten them since 2002, am I even saying that? It's, something it's like a
2: long, won. long time. It's the start of the 2000s. However, by the law of averages, they have to <laughs> win there eventually. And let's face it, Queen of South, either got a good result against them or but they've been in dreadful form. So if there's, if there's ever a good... Uh, I, I, I can. I, if ever they're going to have a better chance to, to to put paid to this record, it's going to be on Saturday. And if they play like they did at the weekend, I'd I give them a decent shout at beating Queen of South. I also think Delferman's got a decent shout at beating Partick, though, mm. uh, albeit their, their away form isn't particularly good. And they, they didn't play well on Saturday, but the fact that they, they'll get such a lift for, for that result, I, I I think Delferman will get something from, from Partick, who were also really poor at the weekend against Wraith.
1: It, it, it's interesting you think about it is an absolutely dreadful result for a for United and you wonder you wonder what, what that result does for the team going forward because yeah you win that game that's you say if you draw the game you, you've still got a good gap uh, ahead of of, of of Dunfermline going into those five final games but like on another day, you win that. I mean, those are two goalkeeping errors. I mean, what certainly one's an out-and-out goalkeeping error, and, and one you might have a bit of sympathy for. Those don't tend to happen that often. McAdams isn't going to do the same thing twice. And I suppose you you can say that that mentally uh, is is giving them a lift, but you know, Partick Thistle aren't that bad a side.
2: I. They're no by the side, but they also have been in just dreadful form recently. Even even one of the few games they've won recently against Queen of South, for enough, at Palmerston. I mean, they were battered for 90 minutes and somehow managed to, to win the game. So no, I I think the family will get something uh, from that part of the game. In terms of Air United, I suppose if you're looking for positives, it's slim pickings, I suppose. But when I was when we were speaking about Air uh the week before, or talking about the fact that Lee Bruin seems like a really defensive coach, always kind of plays with a handbrake on, doesn't play with his... Kind of keeps some of his better forward options on the bench. Mm -hmm. However, on Saturday, he did start Tommy Adeloy up top. He did play... No, I think he pronounces his first name Dara O'Connor. Dara O'Connor. Uh, it's one I think. I think it's Dara O'Connor.
1: I think that's really interesting you're going to say that, Sean. Judging by the highlights, any time that Air United looked positive, it was moves coming down the right from O'Connor yep. feeding into Adeloy. And of course, that's where that, that move um set up the penalty. Adeloy gets the ball in the box. It turns Donaldson, and Donaldson just grabs his arm. And he's holding on to his arm. And it's me as yeah. It's a soft penalty. It's a penalty, nevertheless. Like Adloy's quite cute with it. He, he get he feels like his arm getting yanked back and just, just keels over like a sack of tatties. But any time they looked positive, it did come through
2: combinations down the right from those two players. Yeah, and and maybe Bullen watching that suddenly realises that actually with these two players start in the start 11, they're just a far better team. So you wouldn't imagine when makes the next Well, you would imagine he would start those specific two players again. I know O'Connor went off with about 50 minutes to go. Uh, however, I was reading today that he's expected to be fit for the weekend. So if you're looking for a positive, he, Bullen went for it in a more positive manner and then United look the, the better side because of it. I think the problem is like defensively, I, I, I don't think they're great. And if McAdams is suddenly having, uh, having problems, then then I uh, keep them out at, other, at the other end is going to be their, their big big problems.
1: I, I know it's, it's, it's not really time to bring this up, but, but going back to the start of the season when David Hopkins signed Sean McGuinty and Marcus Fjortov, Think what the fuck! It's like <laughs> the guys had been absolute huddies at Greenup you know, Morton previously. You think why on earth? Are you? McAdams was a smart signing from from one, despite what what happened at the weekend there. But McAdams was a smart signing with the other two. They're thinking, oh, I wouldn't have, I signed
2: either of them. I think, uh, I think, I think some supporters thought Fjortoft might to be no key. I think there was massive concerns about Sean McGinty, and I think those concerns were probably probably valid that again, if you're going to be positive, McGinty has been okay, maybe the last couple of months, mm-hmm. but in general, he's had, he's had a really poor season. And so have, so have all those signings that, that, that came from Morton. McAdams has been okay, uh, but aye, the rest of them, the rest of them have, have made this United team a, a far poorer side. And that's ultimately the, one of the main reasons why they are where they are.
1: Yeah, I think one of the big criticisms that I that I saw from, from Lou Bill was, was he waited too late to to make his subs and and change the game. And I suppose that you've got to say in some regard fair play to John Hughes because ultimately the two subs came on that Reese Cole was introduced, in fact, seventy-nine minutes. Sorry, Reece Cole was introducing the sixty-ninth minute, Todorov introduced in the eighty-third minute, and both players making the decisive impact on the game. However, it's it's one of those ones where you can heat you want to heat praise in the manager because those changes got them the desired outcome. But you've kind of got to like, they both goalie errors though. You know, another day McAdam saves them no bother.
2: And and I mean to be fair, I wasn't at the game and, and you never saw the substitutions coming on or the reactions from the crowd when when these substitutions were coming on. But I would imagine considering how those players have played this season, I, I don't know if the film fans would have been would have thought at the time, oh, this is a good this is a good sub to bring on mm-hmm. because Reese Cole has had a pretty a pretty quiet season, reasonably anonymous, hasn't done too much uh, and another film strap And Todorov has been. Paul hasn't had too many chances, I suppose, for, for Hughes. But again, in terms of, I, I wouldn't have been sitting there and thinking, "Oh, these guys are going to come on and turn the game." But ah, you're right. I mean, ultimately, they did, and, and Hughes gets the credit. But like, Hughes does deserve credit. Like, he's he has he's turned this team around. Yeah. Like this team under under Grant was an absolute shambles. And I, I suppose what Hughes has done that maybe didn't wasn't able to do at starts is that he's been able to bring in his own players. Yep, there's a lot of players now in that starting eleven are players that have uh, have been brought there by Hughes, and the bulk of them are, are probably doing pretty well. So his signings have his recruitment is, is has been pretty good, and he, he deserves credit for that and turning the season around. There's still been some very dodgy moments under his tenure, but if they stay up, he deserves a huge amount of credit as he as he deserved uh, last season for keeping Ross County up.
1: Yeah, ah, oh, uh, I, I mean, if I had to, to pick between the two teams, I'd want to go, go down. I, I'd much prefer it to be Dunfermline Athletic. <laughs> it's just that the John Hughes is, is, is like I, the Dunfermline are a team that, as a Stennis Muir fan, would would never. Their, their two worlds would never really have collided. But when they went into administration in two thousand and thirteen and were relegated. The the 13 14 season, weirdly, when I first started getting into the terrace, they beat us all the time and it was all last minute goals as well. All last minute goals. Remember, one of the like having to come on the podcast after losing 5 4 to them when they scored three goals in the final six minutes to beat us 5 4 and just being lost for words to try and explain (laughs) what happened. So, ever since then, three times that season that that they did us, I've never liked them since then. It's none personal, it's just that. And then Chuck and John Hughes, who I, I, as someone, like I just can't kind of take him. I, I I just he's just not not for not for me. Like I, his time at Wraith Rovers and stuff. I've heard about the way he, he conducted himself there, the way he is in the media and stuff like that. Just mm, I, I just just don't like. If I had to pick between the two, it would be Dunfermline. However, when I look at that Dunfermline team, I kind of you pick through the individual components. So you think why is this team doing as, as badly as it is? And I suppose. A lot of that comes down to, to Peter Grant. But you listen to some of the stuff that I, I can't think of the specific examples you'll need to tell me. When you think of some of the Peter Grant's analysis on the radio, uh, like what did he say? He said recently, are uh, both either win or lose? No, they don't. <laughs> they draw games all the time. And that's why That's why they're, they're not leading the championship at all the because they, they, they draw so many games. So they either win or they draw. They, they, they rarely lose. And it's like, fuck, look at the league table, mate. I'll tell you that. Oh, no No wonder if that's the kind of analysis he's bringing to national radio. God only knows uh, what went on behind the scenes at, uh,
2: at Dunfermline. There can't be too many other teams in Scotland who have drawn more games than our growth. have drawn 14 games this season. Uh, Queen's Park. Of, of course, they, draw, they, they specifically draw one all <laughs> each and every week, you're right. Uh, I, I just, uh, I, I, that, that kind of, happily demonstrates his lack of analysis uh, skills. I uh, won't surprise you to learn that If I had to pick who got relegated between Delfermline and Ayr, it would also be Delfermline. I I know there's a a, a, a very weird uh, series of events that would mean that everybody, the three teams, all end on the same amount of points, the same goal difference and the same goals scored, which means it would go to -to head-to-head. So I think Queen of South need to win their last two games 1-0. Dunfermline need to lose to Patrick Thistle 1-0 and yeah, United need to lose to Patrick Thistle 1-0. I yep. think that's a sequence. That's right. Uh, that would put Dunfermline down on head-to-head. And I can assure you if Dunfermline were to get relegated on head-to-head with John Hughes as a manager, it would probably be the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my
1: life. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I. I know the teams will come in and speak about it, but I think whoever finishes in ninth place, I do think it's going to be a United. I think they'll get relegated I, I I think that Air are going to come up. We'll, I know we're going to come on and speak about Air Jones. I think Air Jones are having an absolutely fantastic season, and I hope and expect that to continue for them. Um, and and even so, I think that like Queens Park is uh, the fourth place side in League One. Queens Park aren't great, but there's something I can't I can't quite explain why. There's something nagging away at the back of my mind that says they're the team that's going to get to the playoff final.
2: I think Queens Park are going to relegate uh, Air or Dunfermline. Seem to have improved not a lot, but incrementally recently. I mean, you'll have seen them more than me, but it feels like they've they've come on to a bit more of a game and are are drawing fewer games, they, one they, each, and actually getting some wins these days. They they lost at the weekend, but apart from that, uh, I,
1: I've seen a lot of Queens. But you know, something is weird. I've I've seen Queens Park perhaps the second most. Out any other side beyond, beyond Stenhouse Muir and I, I can't make up my mind about them I can't make up my mind about them There's a, there, there are players that are good in that team that that work quite well I think like Liam Brown we're kind of going off topic here Liam Brown's very good and I think that they're just a, a I think Mikey Doyle said a good season a right back very fit very energetic but I think Queen's Park regardless of what division they're in next season just need to gut the team you know, it's like who could have imagined the policy of signing bottom of the barrel full time jobbers would lead to
2: a fourth place finish in uh, League One? Not yeah, me. uh, I mean we said that last season that they, that that approach it probably is they going to get them out of of League One. Certainly not a first time asking. I, I wouldn't expect, and it certainly was they going to win them a league, I, I didn't think that either. Uh, I'm the same. I, I, I know we said this a couple of weeks ago uh, in terms of who we thought would go down. Even when they looked like they had a wee bit of cushion between them and Dunfermline. I expected Air to finish ninth, the film and kick on and finish eighth, and, and Queen of South to to go straight down. I, I still think that will be the case.
1: Yeah, come on. We'll just br- briefly touch on Queens. I know they got a good result against uh, Cali Thistle through the week there, but it's six points. Uh, they need to. They, you know, they need to beat Dunfermline. They need to beat Air United and, and 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 hope that that they don't pick up points either results. Too too little too late for them. Too much of them. Do you expect a team that's that's won a handful of games all season to suddenly pull out the bag in the last two against teams who are really scrapping for stuff?
2: Ah, that uh, that that seven game sequence where they lost they lost seven straight. That's that's absolutely killed them. And either got that that wee element of a, a a kind of pick me up when when Willie Gibson took over, but. Uh, losing seven games in a row at, at a kind of crucial time of the season just gave themselves far too much to do and and a, a good win against uh, an MLS side that didn't play particularly well on the night but far too much to do Would you, you would imagine
1: you, if, you were, if you were a Queen of the South supporter would you want to see Gibson stick around for, for next season
2: not as manager no I, I think I'd want him to, con- to go back to concentrate on playing I think again it would be I think he's had an okay season this time around. I think if he was in League One, he would be a a stick out again and and would probably have a great season. But I I don't know if I would want him in the dugout managing the team. I I don't think he's done very much. Aye, three wins. But there's a lot of defeats in there. Uh, Certainly hasn't done enough to convince me that he'd be a good manager. But he's like a Queen's legend, so maybe maybe they'd be more inclined to to give him the job. I'm I'm not so sure, though. Who's assisting him? Is Is it Grant Murray that's assisting him? Aye, yep.
1: So I know that you quite liked him from his time at Ray uh, Wraith Rovers. I suppose it's a difficult thing. You couldn't imagine at Queen say, listen, we want to keep Grant Murray on as manager and put Willie Gibson back to, to just, just playing. I don't think that's that's an arrangement that you you would you would see.
2: I'd I, I, I would not as much as I don't know if it would be the greatest idea in the world, Queens have, have a wee bit of a history of, of kind of promoting from from within, or or certainly certainly people who are well known to the club. So I wouldn't be surprised if they kept him on and Presumably, it's a cheap, it's a cheap option as well. And if they're looking to, to to save money next term, if they're in League One, then I probably would expect them to be the manager. But whether that's whether that's the right approach, I'm, I, I have my doubts. Alan
1: Johnson, there's a man who knows to get out of League One. <laughs> you're laughing, Sean. You're laughing. But let's, let's speaking of League One, let us drop. Into the third tier, and we're going to the Penny Cars Stadium where Airdrieonians kept their slim hopes of winning the title alive with a last gas win over Dumbarton. This looked like an absolutely supreme game of football. Airdrie were two up, then they were pegged back and down to 10 men, but Jordan Allen popped up with the winner with just two minutes remaining. Now, the Diamonds are in second place, five points behind Cove Rangers. Maybe a wee bit too much to make up in the running, but the Suns, Dumbarton, they are consigned to ninth place and they will take on either Edinburgh City or Stenhouse Muir in the League One playoff. Now, before we get into this nitty-gritty Sean, I think it's important to talk about the very, very start of this highlights package. There was a shout out for A View From The Terrace presumably it was Dylan Easton looked like he was taking centre and uh, the, the commentator asked Salim kudera Issa, who was in COCOMS if you watched the view for the terrace Salim said yes he had and they said that um, that Dylan Easton was, was getting bigged up but he we also bigged him up and they also bodied him because he fucked up that penalty against Montrose the previous week and he sent the Eamon Brophy Lone Wolf Trophy in the direction of uh, of you and Joel and, and Fowler so
2: yeah I feel, I feel that's really sour. Uh, your, your thoughts on Dylan Eason. you know something
1: it's like I, 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 being facetious I think he he deserves he's nominated for the league one player of the season alongside Harry Milton, Mitch Meginson, and Rory McAllister great to see McAllister getting a shout there but I think that f- for me Easton 100% deserves that accolade you can make the shout for you make the shout for all players make the case for all players and what they've done but Easton by, is by streets ahead being the best player in that division, and you know something is one thing watching him in the highlights and seeing all the great attacking stuff he does. But when I went to the Airdrie Cove game a couple of weeks ago, like he was dropping deep in front of defence, uh, like intercepting the ball, getting it, getting stuck in, progressing the ball forward, things that you never thought that he would have had in his game. You know, you thought he would just like muck around the final third. I mean, the balls down the, down the other end of the pitch, he wouldn't be getting involved. But he was excellent. He, he was he was excellent in that match.
2: And his finish for that first goal to put Erdogan up was, was absolutely brilliant. A, a kind of a kind of shimmy and a shuffle to to, to kind of fool the defender and then just his finish I think at the bottom corner was excellent. It's fair to
1: say that both of those J goals, the first goal and the second goal, were a little bit of a nightmare for Paul Payton because it was Paul Payton that got skinned by Easton. He didn't really I think he got the ball he muscled out him. And then skinned, and then Easton hit the shot low, and then it was his blind back pass. It was intercepted by Callum Smith, uh, who set up Callum Gallagher for the, the goal. So, yeah, uh, unlucky, Paul.
2: I think uh, I think this match kind of sums up why both teams are having the kind of season that they're having. So, Argy There's been times where Argy have had maybe decent teams over the last couple of years. Uh, maybe I'm going back a wee bit further. But I always, I always got the impression that they would, they would fall flat, or like they the maybe had a bit a, a kind of soft underbelly. I'd like, I, I didn't expect them to, to to be successful, even though they maybe had a half decent team. But now they seem to have like a wee bit of dig about them, a wee yeah. bit, a wee bit of bite. Whereas Dumbarton, Dumbarton's kind of defend. You know, like you know, we spoke about it on the show a, a while back, and Stevie Farrell had that interview post game where he said that they've had. You know, 30 individual errors of, think, of custom, of custom got, goals sorry, or, or something.
1: I think, I think that bit got cut. Am I right in saying that? I didn't quite make it in. You didn't sure make, it? It, make it? But yeah, that was the interview he gave where he said that his, the analytics team, who are, are presumably hired to
2: help the team, he was just using them to dig out the fact that they keep making all these individual mistakes. But that's just that like they can't defend. Like they can't defend, and like the defending and, and and this game was was absolutely hopeless. The third goal as well was an error from Buchanan, who kind of got caught the wrong side. Yeah, and and that's why they are. Uh, that's why they've ended up ninth. I think going forward, they're not actually that bad. Yeah, like they can they can bother teams. You have seen when they when they had to go for it against Airdrie when they were 2-0 down and then obviously Airdrie got uh, Adam Frizzell sent off, so they kind of felt like they had an even bigger opportunity to get into the game. But as soon as they actually started to go for it and, and put Airdrie on the back foot, that's like they were doing pretty well mm-hmm. in the highlights. But I suppose if you are a, a, a forward player in this Dumbarton team and you've got that motley crew behind you, <laughs> like, like if you have to score three goals every week to win a game, it, it, it's just not going to happen. I, I think they'll struggle in the playoffs.
1: I think they're going to get relegated. Well, it depends if they if they play Edinburgh City. No, they to get relegated. I think they'll get relegated. They will get relegated. They will get if they play Edinburgh City, they'll get to the final. If they play Stenhousemuir, they'll get relegated in the semis. That's a, that's a shoot.
2: I I would expect Sten to have too much for them, and I would expect Forfar to have too much for them. Annan mm-hmm. Annan appear to be a bad run at the moment, so I'm yeah. starting to lose faith in Annan An- as you say, Edinburgh. I think Dumbarton would 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 come out on top against Edinburgh. I
1: I think as well. I was speaking to say I was speaking. I was texting Fraser Clark, friend of the show. Uh, and and Fraser I won't mind me saying this, but a, a giant VL who uh, if there's if there's nothing about Dumbarton he doesn't know, it's not worth knowing. But you sent me a statistic about them. The performances were Ryan McGeever and the team. I think when Ryan McGeever starts. They, they actually tend to do okay in matches. They've got a decent win percentage, but when he's absent, like, as he's been for long spells this season, it completely falls through the floor. And I, I just think that, like, you've got a guy like Gregor Buchanan there, and, and I think that... I remember a couple of years back when, when Buchanan signed for Erdreonians. He signed. He, he played junior football. I can't remember who it was that he came from. He played junior football. And I remember seeing him at and thinking, this guy's really good like just the organisation, just he's a big strapping boy, carries himself well, attacks the ball well, like aggressive at the right times and thinking he could go on really far. But seeing after that season that he had with with Airdrie, he's never really quite impressed me as much since then. I think he's a bit of, a bit not like seen a bit of a i Oh, he's going to Dunfermline, sorry, beg your pardon. He was good after that season. He got a move into full-time football with Dunfermline and they didn't go up. So I think he went to... Dumbarton first time round, that's right. Um, but since uh, I since those first two seasons, he's never really, never really impressed me.
2: I, I when when he got that move to Dunfermline, I I thought he might have done okay and and I wasn't overly impressed by him. And then I thought, right, well, you know something, maybe maybe full time is, is a bit of a stretch for him, but I still think he is a good part-time central defender. I, I don't know if I've thought that since then either though. Yeah. As you say he's I uh, either either he, he's never been quite as good as we thought he was initially or his or his, his powers are on the wane, but I certainly he's he's had a poor season this time around.
1: The Barton, as you said there, uh, well, or in fact as we said there, uh, we both expect Dumbarton to get relegated. The club just it just doesn't seem quite right. You read stuff from Pie and Bovril talk about the ownership, uh, 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 sort of like absentee landlords who are just really keen on selling off the rock and 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 moving the team elsewhere. Where that be? Who knows? You don't see many new football stadiums being built. In, in Scotland, particularly one for a club of, say, Dumbarton size. And you kind of worry that if that happens, if the club does, if they do, like, sell off the ground, then they become nomadic. I know that's sort of, like, a, for, well, far down the line, but you kind of think, what does the future hold for Dumbarton Football Club?
2: I There isn't another club in Scotland who, who consistently have owners who appear to just have no interest in the football club whatsoever. This must be, like, the second, third group of owners who only seem interested in the land that the ground's on rather than rather than investing any money in the, the the playing staff or the facilities. And for years now, that's been the case. And for years now, ever since they, it's always felt like they've been on a slippery slope. So the, the season, they, they were always incrementally, it felt, getting worse in the championship. Then they got relegated. And you thought, right, well, can they push on and try and get promotion back to the championship? But they just seem to be getting worse and worse and worse. And as much as, I mean, as much as ultimately they just don't have a particularly good squad, even for even for League One level, I, I, I would suggest. But unless they can sort out that board situation, I, I don't see how it improves. Like their budget must always be one of the lowers, uh, at the lower end in League One. And and I, it feels like if they do get relegated, I don't necessarily expect them to be kicking on to get promoted from League Two next season, because history tells us they're slowly getting worse season by season by season, and I, I do think that the the board situation is very much at the heart it. Yeah.
1: yeah, I I, I agree. There. I mean, I look at that group of players there, and I think that if you were to parachute that gang into League One, they I think they'd they'd probably be in the same position as like Stennis and Inbra, sort of knocking on the door, trying to get into fourth place. I don't think they'd be challenging up there with with and, and Aaron and Kelty. Hearts so are miles ahead of them. But I think that, that certainly reading Pai and Bovril, Stevie Farrell doesn't appear a, a particularly uh, popular appointment with, the, with the, the, the the supporters. I think that i I said a number of times in this podcast, I always quite liked the way he's handled himself. I think he always, when he was at Strenraer, he, he came across well in his interviews. And I think that he had Strenraer doing quite well. Imagine Strenraer must have been one of the smaller budgets in league. One and he got them into the, I ah, got them into the playoffs or certainly the top five last mm. last season, the sort of curtailed season. I need to go back and need to go back and check. And I think that for him, Stranraer like guys like Rudy Payton moved on to Queens, Tam or joined it It's probably the right time for, for him to, to to go elsewhere. But it just hasn't quite worked at, uh, at, at Dumbarton. And, and I think that from what i seen in Paine Wolf, the supporters don't particularly like him, don't particularly like his coaching staff. And we'd happily see him moved on at the end of the season, regardless of what division they're playing in next term.
2: I I, I was the same as you. I always thought he, I always thought he came across pretty well, and, and he had he had some success with Stranraer, so I, I thought it was probably quite a canny appointment. But he's, he's still not got a, a tune out of them at, at all. And again, I think I think the way he comes across, I think uh, the Banton fans think he's probably like a, a decent guy, but his like the. They were even kind of, and I, I don't know how much, I don't know how much kind of stock you should put in it, but even like what the substitutes do at halftime, you know, like the air just substitutes are doing drills at the interval, whereas the Dumbarton players are just shooting into, like they were yeah. shooting into an empty net as far as I'm aware. Like it just, it, it, something doesn't feel quite right. And
1: that, that sort of thing, so no, that's the sort of stuff. Nobody gives a fuck if the team's winning. See if Dumbarton were up, like up in the the playoffs. See, see imagine you swap Dumbarton's place for Queen's Park. Dumbarton finished the season in fourth. Nobody cares. These are the things that you notice, though, that when, when you're not doing well as a fan, these are the things that begin to annoy you. And this is, these are the things that you can use to uh, criticise uh, a management team that you that you don't
2: like. I think as well, he was quite bold in his... And, and maybe he was just saying that, whether he believed it or not, whether he was just trying to... Uh, whether he was just trying to kind of G up interest in the team. And like it, he, he said at the start of the season, he felt he had a squad that could challenge for the playoffs. I, I didn't think that was the case, and, and for a while there, I think maybe the first couple of months they were they were in that like in the upper reaches of the league. But I suppose if you're if you're claiming you have enough quality to challenge for the playoffs, and, and you end up ninth in that is also a rod for your back to a degree as well.
1: I think I'm, I'm looking at the results here, Sean. I think they went through a little purple patch at the, the end of August and into September when they won three games on the bounce and drew 1-1 with Aloha. I mean, they beat East 5-5 now. They beat Falkirk 2-1. They beat Montrose 2-1. <clears throat> Excuse me, some of the, the, I'll say, the better teams in the league. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but then after that, long, long, long spells of, of like long losing spells.
2: And it just I, made- I, I think there was very much an argument to dispense with his services. Uh, I, I think if they'd maybe got rid of him in January, I wouldn't have been overly surprised. But that I, I don't know what his contract deal is. Whether he's whether he's got another another year with the club, maybe they, they couldn't afford it or maybe they, they still thought that he would be able to to get him out of the situation. But I, I, I was surprised he's still there If I'm being honest.
1: What about Gionians then? Another good result. I mean, we know you mentioned the fact they were down to 10 men. In fact, we did mention, we didn't see what happened. Like Adam Frizzell, it looked as though... One of those ones where it's a red card, it's like he went, it's a foul on Stuart Carswell. It looks like one of the ones where he goes in, you see when, when you're trying to put your foot over the ball to try and bring it under control, but your studs are up and you kind of catch the player in the leg. It looked probably, you would say, you've
2: seen them given... I thought it was. I thought it warranted the red. I mean, it was one of those ones where it was like, if it was a yellow, you would say, "All ah, right, okay, fair enough." But but when he brought it to the red, it was like, "Aye, ah, that's fine. It, it, it makes sense." It was it was over the ball. You would say it was it was reckless as well. I mean, where they caught him, I thought it was a I thought it was a bad one. So I I didn't have I didn't have any complaints about that. And as much as they were as much as they were rocked to 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 start with the fact that Dumbarton came back into the game, made it two two. But aye, the fact that there always seems to be something happening in Airdrie dumbarton games. That there's not. It's normally a, a high-scoring game. That there, there's quite often something happens in the last minute. Some kind of last-minute winner. And there seems to be beef between the, the benches. It's it's just a good fixture for exciting finales.
1: Because because there was a game earlier in the season. And like, have you ever seen Magnolia before? Yes. Right. Do you know the opening scene in Magnolia where the guy? goes to commit suicide and have his parents kill themselves and the parents accidentally shoot him through the window do you know the scene I'm talking about uh-huh, yep. it's like really really complicated to try and explain what happened that's like describing the game between Dumbarton and J earlier in the season where Dumbarton got three men sent off and they scored an injury in the 94th minute an injury time to draw two each but then Celine Kudera scores in like 96 minute to win it it's the same sort of thing all this like coincidence and happenstance and stuff that you, you couldn't possibly explain you've got to write it all down and to, to try and make people understand <laughs> that's exactly what, what it was like here but I mean you mentioned Slim think He's he was on co-coms for this and his yelp when Jordan Allen tapped the ball in at the end I say a yelp it was a fucking screech down the microphone I burst out laughing I thought this is a real life-affirming moment someone there like him he was quite shy on co-coms he seems like quite a shy guy but that bit there he really sort of like like lost himself in the moment there's a bit thing when um his teammate i think alan was was on goal and buchanan sort of nudged him like n- nudged him like wide and you oh, go on and, and, and get in and just when the balls played across the face a goal for him to to tap it into the net uh, yeah i brilliant stuff
2: i like uh i, I know he, he probably goes under the radar Probably because of Eastern as well, but I like uh, I quite like Callum Smith. Oh, so I think yeah, that's been a, yeah. a pretty good signing. Like I, again, a, a player who has been at full time level never really kicked on as much as I thought he would, but I think he's been brilliant for for Erdry this season. Yeah. And and you can go all through the team and, and they have they've got a decent amount of quality in there, but I think that's now allied with maybe really good work rate. Uh, a bit more belief in themselves as well, and and I. That's why I fancy them in the playoffs.
1: Hundred percent. I'm, I'm looking through the team that started against Dumbarton and and you're absolutely right. You can you can look through that that side, and and like you know, like Brody Patterson, who's who's I, I saw a wee bit playing for Queens Park last term. He's coming on loan from Celtic. He looks a better player now than he was at Queens. Rhys McCabe has been one of the revelations of the season, playing as a as a centre back. You've got like guys like Scott McGill, like a real hard-working player. Callum Gallagher, you're always going to get about like 12 goals a season from him in the finish. Although we mentioned it was a Paul Payton mistake. It's actually a really good finish to from the angle and from, from the distance it was to, to put that into the net. And then Callum Smith and, and Dylan Easton, there, there's so much to, to like about them. And, and Ian Murray really seems to... Remember when he was a Dumbarton manager, it was always like... Uh, like you if we want to win, we're going to, to score six goals because the opponents are going to score five. I know it's, it's not quite the same, but no, Airdrie's defensive record is generally, uh, generally quite good this term. But it's uh, aye, it's, like, it's, a, it's a great Airdrie side, it's a great Airdrie side. I think that since I've been sort of like I'd say covering uh, lower league football since like 2012, doing telling his pellet by far and away the the best Airdrie team and like I, I do hope they go up because they deserve to go up. And the worry is that like if the team doesn't go up like somebody comes in, somebody comes in Freeston I don't know, like imagine Kelty Hearts. I don't know what his personal circumstances are but Kelty next season a building go back in for Easton. sign him offer him like a like an even bigger wave than what he's on at, at Airdrie or, or, or what not or or say um Callum Smith has got the chance to go full-time football elsewhere I don't know if he's full-time with Ergie but you know what I mean like they're, they're, like their circumstances change to go elsewhere More the other teams offer more money for them and you hope that this group of players get the chance to go and do it again one level higher because I do think that certainly in Formans now they could be a success in the Championship
2: Agreed and I, th- I think another concern would be if they don't get promoted you wonder if Ian Murray would want to want to continue to hang around because the interesting thing about Murray is, even when he was doing well at Dumbarton, there was questions around, well, how much of this is him? How much of it is Jack Ross? His yeah, time yeah. at Airdrie has been, I mean, I, I suppose by and large, have always been pretty much kicking around mm-hmm. the, the top end of the league one. But I think there has been seasons where it's kind of petered out and you think, right, well, is he and Murray the man to, to, to take the club forward and, and to try and get them into the championship? I think he's fully answered all those questions this season. And I would imagine in the summer, even if Airdrie go up, I would imagine... There'll be other clubs maybe looking at him, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he got an offer or two in the summer. And I, I think if Erdy were in League One, he'd be far more inclined to accept one of those offers. I suppose
1: that the team that most springs to mind if you, if you were looking for a manager, is Falkirk. I think that that Ian Murray, an upward-looking manager, Falkirk are. I don't know if they've really fallen in hard times. This what's this? fourth consecutive season in, in League One. My, what a humiliation. <laughs> but, but And I think that, I mean, the club needs a massive rebuild. When you look at the number of players that are still going to be in the books for next term, like, there's, there's, I mean, Leon McCann, maybe who who Murray would have worked with uh, previously, Leon McCann, maybe. is There's only a handful of players that you think are, are worth, uh, worth sticking with. Anton Dowds, of course, has signed a pre-contract with uh, Particularly, so that was announced earlier today. But that's a player who was quite. I always got the impression quite poorly treated. Yeah. At, at Falkirk sort of became a a bit of a joke figure. Then was made fun of at the Q and A by uh, Gary Holt. Goes to our broth, scores a number of goals, comes back into the team, and then is sort of like displaced to make way for Lee Griffiths. I, yeah, you can understand why he'd be like fuck This, I'm, I'm not doing so again. Going off, just this is this this is this is, this is what we do in these lower league podcasts we go off topics, we go off in tangents. But I think that I Murray would be a good fit for Falkirk. I think he'll have learned a lot from his time at St. Mirren. He, he wasn't there very long. But if you if you if he has given the time to turn it around at Falkirk, that uh, he's given the, the opportunity to put his own stamp at stuff and give him like two transfer windows, maybe maybe he could actually give him four transfer windows till Brad Mackay's contracts up.
2: <laughs> Who knows? You wonder, uh, you wonder how appealing that would be to you and money. You wonder how appealing a, a job, well, not a job like Falkirk, you wonder how appealing Falkirk would be to money, a club that just appears to be going absolutely nowhere. Uh, problems seem to pile up season by season. I don't know how appealing that would be to him. Mm. And, unless it was unless it was a, a big pair eyes compared to what he's on at the moment which yeah. which may be the case yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think
1: like i always, i've always said falkirk as a club i've got a lot going for them in terms of like just the location fan base you know that that's they've got there's loads of potential there if you do well at falkirk i suppose if you, if you do well at falkirk you take them up next season Take them on next season, get them into the championship stabilise and that's something the club have I mean. That's weirdly, I think it's the most stable the club have been in years for the wrong reasons.
2: <laughs> but you take them up into the championship and do well, that opens up other avenues to you. Yes, but by then by the same token. Yeah, yeah, 100%, I hundred percent. There's, there's not too many managers that have left Falkirk recently and have 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 gone anywhere. Uh, Presley? was Presley the last one? I suppose McKinnon went to Queen's Park and got them promoted.
1: Or oh, right. I thought sorry the main upward moves yeah.
2: Uh, yeah I suppose then if you're going to be uh, it would be to... uh I'd, I'd, if if he was to go to Falkirk and uh, not do well it would be a uh, I think it would be a big black mark against him and considering his his career appears to be on an upward trajectory I, I think it would be a, I think it would be a big risk a big risk for him.
1: Yeah, aye, I de- definitely, definitely. But uh, I just shoot uh, one last thing, Sean, just before we move out of League One. East Fife relegated at the weekend, thumped three one by four. I say thumped three by Falker. I think actually the match was closer than perhaps uh, people expected, but then Falkers uh, struck late on to put a bit of gloss on the scoreline. But East Fife's relegation it was a, a long time coming.
2: Aye, aye I mean uh at the start of the season, I thought East Fife would have been. I, I didn't expect them to be challenging for a playoff place like they have been uh, over the last two, three seasons. Maybe I didn't necessarily expect them to be in. I didn't necessarily expect them to be the, the worst team in the league. I think they've. I think they've recruited poorly. I think they've had uh, injury concerns. I think they've had you know issues with uh, who was a player who kind of disappeared at the start of the season and then came back. Uh, oh, what was his face, Ryan Wallace? Yeah, I mean, there's been there's been a lot of issues uh, at, at the club this season, and but ultimately, I, I think they have. I think if everybody was available, they may have a decent start in eleven, but 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 no depth, and ultimately, they've, they've never had they've never had the players that they've needed to 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 kind of keep them up this this season. But the the guys that they've left never adequately replaced over the summer, uh, and although Crawford. Crawford kind of made them a wee bit harder to beat. They, they seemed to draw a few games, then they, then they got a couple of wins, and you thought, I, I think they're going to catch them button-up. But again, the, their, their form has just, uh, has just completely deserted them. And, and I, far and away the worst team in League won this season, and no surprise to see them relegated.
1: Yeah, I think there's t- a couple of young boys in that team that are perhaps not good enough, not good enough yet, maybe not be good enough at all. Uh, certainly uh, guys that are perhaps a bit past their best, playing at a level that they are not... Right. It's probably a wee bit too far for them. Aye, so they'll, they'll go down next season. Unless there's massive changes, I, I can see League Two being really competitive next season. I think League One, weirdly, is going to be probably the most difficult division in the country. Like to call well, the number of teams that are going to be down there. Like, like just say, for instance, imagine Airdrie and Cove go up. Right and replaced by Queen of the South, Air United, Then you've got Falkirk, Queens Park. You've got four full-time clubs in there. Chuck in Kelty Hearts, who you imagine will hold their own, and then you'll you'll have um, Stenhousemuir, Peterhead, Clyde, Alloa. That is a real heady concoction of uh, of sides and there, and, and it's a real difficult one to call. I think it's hard to call at the top and be hard to call at the bottom as well.
2: Yeah, and I, I think in terms of you, you touched on League Two. I think where League Two will be interesting next season is like in the past you've had like Cove Rangers have come up and you think right they'll win the league. Kelty Hearts comes up and you think right they'll win the league. Now I don't know what will happen in terms of the promotion relegation spot. Kilmuirth might stay up. Fraserburgh might win it. Bonnyrigg might win it. But let's say Bonnyrigg were to come up, for example, like they don't have the kind of spending clout that Kelty would or or Cove would. So as much as Bonnyrigg might do pretty well in League yeah. Two, and and I, they might win it. They might be good enough to win it, but it's certainly they're certainly going to pull away from the rest. Like that's, like another couple of examples have have managed.
1: I that that that's certainly the impression that I get. If uh, if if whoever comes up, I think they they are. We'll use Bonnie Rigg for example because I, I know more about Bonnie Rigg than I do about Fraserborough but they they seem to be like a good side, a good Lowland League side. Whereas Kelty Hearts were were basically just a Lowland League, a, a team who played in the Lowland League, but were were by no means a, a lowland league team at all, given the the, the, the depth of, of SPFL quality they had in that division. I'm sure Bonny Red could strengthen, but they would fancy their chances to win it, and they could win it, but I don't think on paper they, they don't seem any better than Forfer or Annan or Steny or Edinburgh. You know, there's, a, there's not a lot of SPFL quality in there, and there is a big step up. You know, you, you're not going to be playing... Fucking uh, Kangaroo kids club FC every <laughs> second week. <laughs> you know, so it's aye, it's a, it's a it's a step up, it's a step up in quality, but uh aye, I I my shoot prediction for next season: Dumbarton to go down. Aye, Dumbarton needs five to come down, could to stay up, and I think. If if 4 go up, if 4-4 go up, I mean I want Sten to go up, but if 4-4 go up, I think that that league, every team, all ten teams in that division, will see themselves as viable challengers for that title. Including like Elgin, Albion Rovers, even Cowden, they would see themselves as 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 looking to get into the top four, looking to looking to win that league. But that said, we'll we'll save that for a couple of months' time, Sean, when we do our our post League Cup group stage uh, preview podcast. Cannot fucking wait But like, we might as well Stick around I said we might as well As if we weren't going to anyway <laughs> You know like We might as well Stick around in League 2 And since Since I am on um, This podcast Who are we going to talk about? We Stenny, going- by any chance Yes Hit Chelsea dagger By the the. <laughs> anyway Yes of course But And it's not just because I support Steny Spear And I'm quite informed about them It's because They took A, a uh, they had a really impressive win at the weekend over Albion Rovers turned in one of their best performances of the season and they obliterated the verse 4-1 scoring all four of their goals within the first 24 minutes of the match Adam Corbett opened the scoring after just 44 seconds before Ewan O'Reilly Robert Thompson and Adam Brown completed the route and Charlie Riley pulled a consolation goal back through a very dubious penalty now Albion Rovers are in ninth place and judging by the last two matches they are well and truly on their holidays but the Warriors moved within a point of Edinburgh City in fourth place so it's all to play for with just six matches to six matches just two matches to go um, I wish this was like the TV show when you just stop and start again, and some jobber can edit it out for you it's not I'm not going to go back and do it
2: so I Sean what did you think of Stennis for Albion Rovers 1 I thought the scoreline flattered Albion Rovers I thought yeah. it looked like it could have been far far more 6 7 Uh and as much as Albion Rovers looked woeful, I thought Stenny looked pretty good. And again, I kind of go through Stenny's team, and I, I know when we spoke about Stenny's spirit at the start of the season, it was very much a case of uh brought in a load of boys from uh, a kind of lower level, had a massive squad, a flabby squad that, that didn't probably didn't have the quality to, to, yeah, to do what they wanted to do, which that. is ultimately challenge for the playoffs and, and maybe get promoted. And I look at that stand eleven and think that's a decent team. Like I especially thought. Uh, I thought you and O'Reilly looked pretty good down that left-hand side soon to be given the, the right-back. Uh, was that was that Ferry? Alfie Robinson was playing at right-back. He was getting uh,
1: Alfie Robinson was the right-back but wearing number three. Adam Fernie was the left-back wearing number two. That's probably why they were both terrible. They were both <laughs> wearing the wrong number.
2: But throughout that team now, and I think especially having Robert Thompson back, I thought his goal was a, was a really smart finish. Yeah. And from my time of watching Thomson, even at a, even at a higher level, I always thought he made players round about him that bit better as well. And I'm, I'm presuming that's the case at Steny. He has been. I'll be honest, with you, he's not been fantastic since he came back from
1: his injury. That was his first goal in a while. Uh very well taken goal. Great work down the down the right hand side with uh, Adam Fernie getting skinned again <laughs> in, in that match. But I, Tom Thompson, hasn't been. He, he got a bad ligament injury just as he was coming into a game against Cowden Beef back in October, and it's taken him a long time to sort of like get get over it and get into fitness. But the, the I think, going back a step though, your, your point, 100% I agree with you. I think that Stennisphere, the squad's probably too big. Some, there's a few guys in there signed from non league football who just aren't quite good enough for the SPFL. But Stephen Swift has got a, about, I'd say about 14 players out of that squad who he trusts and who are going to play every week. The back, you, And when you go to Oakville View now, you, you know roughly what the team is going to be. Do you know who the goalkeeper is? A settled back four. Matt Weatherburn is the number six with like maybe two, three, four, five, six, seven guys around him to make up for the fact he can't run. know, uh, <laughs> Riley out wide. And then like Robert Thompson or, or, or Tam Orr, or maybe both of them, playing up front so you know what you're going to get for the Warriors and the team has benefited from that settled side you can see partnerships forming across the park and yeah you're absolutely right in what you say that the 4-1 scoreline flattered the Rovers if Steny had taken a chances and they missed a couple of good ones it could have easily been six or seven and the only the penalty we might as well talk about that the the penalty that they had it was a Mikey Miller fouled I wasn't sure who he fouled but he he fouled him the foul looked like it occurred outside the box and the the referee and the linesman had a long discussion and the impression that we got sitting in the stands was that the referee's made his mind up and he's just going over to tell the linesman why that's the case and he's not going to change his mind.
2: You you, you mentioned Weatherburn there like I know we went. Uh, I went to I met you at uh, Cane Beef mm. a few weeks ago. Uh, a, a dreadful game of football, but Weatherburn and and Weatherburn is a player who I, I liked, but he he really frustrated me at Starts Park because of, of how slow he was, and that was in League One. Game's could, if he was caught wrong side, then that was it. He was mm-hmm. he was out of the game. He was out of the equation. I thought Cane Beef he just strode it. Yeah, like at this level he looks like a a, a really cracking player.
1: I think that that with Nat there's the the positives and the negatives, and the negatives are, as you mentioned, he can't run, he's slow as fuck, and if you <laughs> if you walk briskly past him, you're you're gonna you're gonna be off over the horizon within the space of seconds because he's so slow. However, you 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 build around those limitations, and you put guys that are that are, you put Mikey Miller alongside you. you you'll see Mikey Miller a, a lot. You put Mikey Miller alongside. You put a guy like Mikey Anderson alongside. Mikey Anderson just will smash things up and give the ball to better players. And and what you get from that, if you can you can I, like put the players alongside him to work out work, work around that lack of mobility. He is strong. Very rarely loses possession. He's got those big long legs, he's got a big arse. And when he like stretches across opposition players, he just barges them out of the way and he's got a lovely left foot. And when he can play those diagonals like, like out, out into the, the channels, there's there's not a lot of players in that division that can really do the same. And I think if, if it wasn't for his, he had quite a sluggish start to the season. I think if he played consistently over the course of the campaign, he... Could have been in with a shout for the, the the Player of the Year award.
2: And your your opinion on this team has swiveled. It would be fair to say, could because you now you now believe they'll get promoted, won't you?
1: I thought that, that going into February, I thought that if Stennismeyer finished in fourth place, he'd get promoted. I I, I thought that even though when Stennismeyer were like about a handful of points behind Edinburgh, I thought they'll get promoted. And even when like Edinburgh were playing on a, a Friday night and losing, and then Stennismeyer would lose on the, the next day. And when, when Edinburgh played stenny and Edinburgh went down to 10 men after fifteen minutes and Stennismeyer still couldn't be I thought stenny will still get promoted. It's... I just think that going into these playoffs, like they've done really well against Annan and Forfar over the course of the season. They've only lost once against them in seven matches. And that was to Annan, one 0 at Oakleview. and they should have beaten them. They had the chances again to win. And for going touching what we said earlier, I don't fear Dumbarton in the slightest. And 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 I think that they can they can they can go up. But I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Steny, but there's one player, if I may, that I can highlight as my favourite Stennis Muir player. Adam Corbett, fucking hell, man, what a player. And you think I'm just saying that, I get carried away because it's my team. I'm telling you, this guy could be playing championship football, full-time championship football if someone takes a punt on him. Is he
2: is he contracted for next season?
1: No. That's why Mr. Swift, sign him up at once. I think uh, Swift has spoken to a number of players about what they're doing for next season. And what I've heard off the record, Corbett is uh, Corbett's one of them. And he'd be daft not to like the guy was brought into the club. We brought into the club back in January last year from Spartans. And you could tell he was a football player, you tell he's got something about him, but he was really soft centered. Like you get pushed and knocked off the ball a wee bit. And I remember that, like, there was a game at Albion Rovers, like, this is like this would be about a, a year ago, not long after Stephen Swift had taken charge, lost that match 2 1. He was really poor in it and got pulled off at halftime. And I think Swift was like, I don't trust this guy, don't fancy him. And I think he'd have probably let him go if he he hadn't had like an 18-month contract. And he didn't really... I think he'd had an abductor problem at the start of the season, didn't really feature much. But from December onwards, he's been playing at right back. And he has been superb at right back. Central defender by trade, fast, energetic. He was a captain at Spartan, so good leadership qualities. Scored a really good goal uh, at, the, at the weekend there. Set up Ewan Riley for what should have been the fifth goal, and just someone who's got the, the qualities. There's, there's there's so much raw potential there that I think if he is given full time training, he could turn it into something tangible. I hope that's not the case. Obi says it's Dennis here, but what a player! What a player!
2: Well, I am at Oakville View this weekend, so I will I'll, I'll watch out for him uh, specifically. But it's against, uh, it's against your bogey team, sure not. they've not beaten Stenhousemuir since 2017, which I was really surprised to learn about. I always
1: thought that that, would, we, we, that did okay against them, but no, they've, they've 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 been really poor. And and the two earlier meetings, the first two meetings between the clubs, were humiliations for Stenhousemuir. The first one, a two 0 defeat, that was uh, just really poor from the manager, and it was that earlier on in the season around September time you think this cunt's no got it this this guy's just just he's overthinking things he's what the decisions he's making are making the team worse and they're they're, they're not they're not working he played he went with like a a weird sorry weirdly he played Adam Corbett right back in that match but it was that he he played a half fit Sean Crichton he pulled off Adam Corbett and Mikey Anderson 43 minutes, you know, not even a half time, 43 minutes. We we did a podcast actually yes. about that. Um, really, really poor. And then the the second meeting at Oakville, View, lost that game, 4-1. Sonar scored like their goals within said he took the lead, but Sunrar scored their goals like in the space of like five minutes. Dreadful goalkeeping performance for David Wilson. Um, and and I both humiliations, but Drew 1-1 with them the last time we played them and actually looked all right. And Sonar were the better side, but Stewart showed like they were resilient and hard. And hopefully, with Sonar having nothing to play for, you might fancy the Warriors for this one, given that they've won the last two matches and were pretty good against Albion Rovers there.
2: And it has to be better than that Cowden buth game I was at about a month ago. Sean,
1: uh, if you were to put a cocktail umbrella down your cock, that would be better than that cow and beef match. There is, there is, there, I mean, like basically, like see for bad experiences that match the cow and beef won in Stennis, Me 1 game for certainly for the, about the first 75 minutes. That is the baseline for bad experiences,
2: <laughs> you know. And Sammy Omprion came on, and uh, that was that, that was the that was what the the game needed that spark of life. Do you remember the first half in that match? Do you remember
1: how 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 awful it was? Do you remember how embarrassed I felt. Remember, I think I apologized to you about 18 times over the course of that afternoon.
2: You still got very excited with that last minute equalizer And rightly so.
1: I did, and then just realized fuck that was terrible. And then stopped celebrating. <laughs> yeah. it's supposed to be what do you think then, Sean? I mean, What's the, I mean, I haven't seen them that much
2: this season. I've only seen them the, the two times that the Warriors played them. What do you overs in this game? Uh, they looked as bad as any side I've seen this season like there was there was just nothing positive about them whatsoever and the ah, as we say that, that could have ended up six, seven easily but like they have demonstrated enough over the course of the season that ah, they, I mean they are a better team than, than Cowden Beef but they don't have anything to play for and it very much looked like that on Saturday
1: I, 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 was, I was expecting more for them I think that like I've always said this but see about the Rovers they're always going to get a good game for them Always going to get a good game for them. Like it doesn't matter that they're the 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 under the underdogs playing at a a, a shit stadium. They they'll make things difficult for you. And and prior to the game against uh, last week's game against or sorry the the game uh, on the 9th of April against Sunra, they were actually in a really good run of form. They had they had drawn three and uh, one two in, in five games, and they like they'd drawn 0-0 with Kelty Hearts, drawn 0 nil with uh, Forfar, beaten Stone. Albion, smashed been smashed and. Uh, 4-2 down at Galabank, and you think this is a, this is a team that, that looks that looks quite handy? You can see probably Brian Reid was thinking this is good. We're not going to get into the playoffs, but we've we've got some we can build on for next season. And then to get absolutely obliterated, like like for the first kick of the ball, the final whistle against Stranraer, really chucking it away at the end, and then like they they basically finished that match that or they they started that match against. Um, so there's one of those text messages there. Simon attempted to deliver today your parcel, but no one answered. Mm, aye. The weird thing is, I'm expecting a parcel today. I expect so, so that's that's how they catch you out. That's how they catch you out. <laughs> but no, 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 not, not falling for it, not falling for it. Sorry, the point the point I was making there yeah, was that that they real like I side that's on their holidays. And the team that pitched up at Oco View there, they reminded me of the the John Brogan side. You remember when when, when John Brogan came in at the Rovers? He yep. was the boy that they signed from not like Premier Division junior football, but the like, second division, like at the West of Scotland. I like um, like his Blueberries Division Three. <laughs> you know, like that sort that sort of level where it's like, and he signed all these guys that you'd he never heard of. And, and like the week, Muir played them in a League Cup tie at the start of that, the 1819 season. That was a poor Sennis Muir side. Muir destroyed them, ended up winning that match 4 0. And that was a team that had no quality, no height, no heart, nothing. That team was as bad as that side there. Like James, like uh, Alfie Robinson and, and James. Uh, sorry, Adam Fernie. Fernie was the Fernie was playing at left back. He was the boy that sold Cammy Benny shot for Adam Brown's goal. Tried to yep. play a header back to him, and Brown just nipped in and, and lifted the ball over. him. really good finish. He was awful, and I'm surprised he he lasted the lasted
2: the full ninety. What, what like as as not finishing bottom of the pile success for Albion Rovers this season I mean did they have any intention like did they ever have any hopes of getting in the top four probably not so I'm mid-table you would say that would be a good season for them but ultimately in, in League 2 if you finish 6th 7th 8th ninth, it kind of doesn't really matter I suppose other than other than buttons yeah, difference for, for prize money it, like when, okay. it, when I see Albion Rovers I kind of think step one for them task one don't finish tenth, and then anything over and above that feels like a bonus for them.
1: Yeah, I think you know. Something I think you you could well be right there. You could be right. It's not much to say that finishing ninth place is, is an achievement, but I suppose, I suppose, with the the and this is something we're going to come on and talk about in our Patreon episode. So if you want to hear more about it, you're going to have to pay money for it. <laughs> but it's like for, for 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 teams like Albion Rovers, it's it's like you can't keep on finishing ninth. Because the quality in the division is going to get better. And then ninth place becomes tenth place becomes relegation. And that's uh, something you've got to avoid. But I small team, like probably the, the, the team with the smallest budget in that division. And you know, they've they've had a couple of uh, a couple of decent results over the course of the campaign, but I just just shit the last two matches. And they've got Albion Rovers and Count. Sorry, they've got still an Albion and Count meeting in the next two matches. I think this is kind of like Stevie Crawford at East Fife. This is just the opportunity to just take a look and see what's, you know, take a look at the players you want to keep on for next season. Uh, see the players that you want to um, to get rid of. But I think I'd be very surprised. I mean, there's only one performance, but I'd be surprised if we see Adam Fernie kicking a ball in the SPFL again. He's got um, Royal Albert, Harthill Royal written all over him. I don't like being negative because he's a young guy, he's like twenty one, and I never heard of him before. And I went in his uh, soccer base, and he's got like one, like a handful of appearances for for the for for the Rovers over the like over the since uh, since the start of the season. Like he's only played like twenty eight times for them,
2: and like, but I maybe it was just a bad day at the office. Uh,
1: you know what? That's like uh, I'm telling you, that's what's a bad day at the office. That's like being a, a mechanic and accidentally trapping one of your workmates underneath that machine that you stand under to look under cars, that's the equivalent of Adam Fernie's bad day. Do you want to wrap up, Sean, and go and do this Patreon? Yes, yes, that's absolutely fine. That's fine We've spoken about the playoffs there and, and so we don't need to go back And do them Final reminder about the live show We spoke about it at the start of The tickets A handful of tickets remaining So get yours now To avoid disappointment You can basically go on the, the view from the Terrace Twitter page You'll get all the information You need there But it's Friday the 20th of May It's St Luke's in Glasgow It's going to be great Myself, Sean Joel Sked Craig Fowler Robert Borthwick Just five VLs Talking shit about football Much like you and your mates Down the pub Yes you the listener.
2: Aye, I think, it'll be, I think it'll be a good laugh.
1: If nothing else, you know, and you can't put a price on having a good laugh in this economy. So aye, Sean, we are going to go and do a Patreon. We're going to be talking about VAR and we're going to be talking about the recent shenanigans in the Lowland League with cold teams and uh, relegation or the lack thereof. So join us over there and we'll see you shortly. Thank you. Bye.